The NBA schedule is released. What does it mean for the Charlotte Hornets? We'll break it down all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere to get your podcast, and that does include YouTube. That's Doug Branson. You can find his work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And I'm Walker Mayo. You can listen to me every weekday on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, 12 to 3 p.m. I don't want to waste any time, Doug. You're not feeling great. I want to get you in and out. You seem to be in good spirits, but I know deep down you're dealing with the sickness that has actually gotten worse and moved into different places. Yeah, we're not talking about that sickness. Uh, That sickness there is no cure for. We're talking about this other sickness uh, that is the phlegm that has now migrated down into my chest. And you may notice uh, my voice level dropping a few baritones there is once a year where my voice when i'm sick and walker is healthy and my voice converges with walker's Mm -hmm. voice and it's like (laughs) a vocal eclipse that occurs when like i'm down here where walker normally is so that you you're witnessing the uh vocal equinox I like that. Yes, it's all darkness now. It's, <laughs> that's all it is. It's, deep. it's The vocal eclipse is great. Um, well, maybe we could joke and have some other silly season intros on other days, but not today, Doug. The NBA schedule, it's released. We have a lot of notes to get to for the Charlotte Hornets. Wanted to give you the highlights, and then we could ask some big picture questions here. So 35th anniversary. Don't know if you guys knew that. 35th anniversary <laughs> this year. Oh, the oh wow. Really? We can celebrate that. Season opener is on Wednesday, October 25th, excuse me, at home versus the Atlanta Hawks. A couple of the big games you have, you match up against LeBron. That'll be on Monday against February 5th. Steph Curry, March 29th on a Friday. He'll be coming to town, I believe. So those are a couple of big matchups. One interesting note, by far the most interesting to me, to be honest with you, how about the longest homestand in franchise history taking place mm. this year? Eight straight home games oh, from wow. March 27th through April 9th. So that homestand, if it's crunch time, Doug, yeah. that homestand is going to help them hopefully get to the play-in and, you know, God forbid, mm. maybe even beyond the play-in, but at least just solidify a play-in spot and then be a higher seed so you can host a play-in game that helps you get to one of those top six spots. 19 weekend home games, 15 sets of back-to-backs. That's always something to note. So 15 sets of back-to-back games, six of which are two consecutive home contests. Don't want to get drowned into the details, but I thought those were the highlights. Doug, with all of those highlights that I just talked about, some of the stuff that you've gone over, do you think this is a schedule conducive to winning and somewhat favorable for the Charlotte Hornets in this year where they're trying to make the play in after what was a disaster after all the injuries last year. Uh, I do. I do think this is a, a, a schedule that actually benefits them in a number of ways. If you go to positive residual uh, on Twitter, they do a great job of like breaking down travel times and rest advantages and rest disadvantages and the, and strength of schedule, the uh, strength of schedule for the Hornets, 19th uh, strongest. So they're down towards the bottom tier of the weaker tier in terms of strength of schedule. 
Rest advantage is 10. That's not a lot. That's 19th in the league. But rest disadvantage is also 10 games. That's 12th. So that's above average in terms of games that where, where they're going to be at, at a disadvantage due to rest. And then miles traveled, they're only 23rd most. So they're down towards the bottom. So they're not going to be doing, you know, a, a ton of, you know, back and forth across the country kinds of things. So that's conducive, I think, to winning. You know, early on, they're going to have a number of home games that I think can get them off to a good start. But you mentioned the eight-game homestand. That actually comes after their most brutal stretch of the season. And that begins as soon as they get back from the All-Star break on February 22nd until March 25th. They do 13 on the road and four at home, including four of those 15 back-to-backs. And then they get the eight-game homestand. So the eight-game homestand is almost a reward for what will be a defining stretch for this team from the end of February until March. The good news is that the Hornets, when they were fully healthy last season, played really well during that stretch. Like It seemed like all the things that Clifford was trying to instill in the team, combined with the fact that they were getting healthier, made the Hornets look like a functional offense and a much better defense. So if that holds again, if they continue to improve and stay, stay even healthier mm-hmm. – then maybe they'll be able to survive that 17-game stretch. Uh, at least, you know, it, you don't you just don't want that to be apocalyptic so that then you can make up a little ground during that eight-game homestand. One, so 100%, I, I think you have that homestand. There's actually three road games that you end the season with after mm-hmm. that eight-game homestand. Yeah. If you're looking at this schedule, Doug, I don't know if if this is how it always is, but I don't think so. Looking at it, it feels like, the games based on the home in a way, right? They're not nearly as spread out. It's not some just throw it against the wall and see how it goes. It feels very, this is your, this is your road trip. This is your homestand. This is your road trip. This is your homestand. At least for me, if I feel like they're all consolidated into that. So you start with a three game, you know, you're at, you're at home for three games. We said homestand a million times. You're home (laughs) for three games in a row to start the season. And then you play, five of your next six games on the road. Then you play your next five games at home. Then you play your next three games on the road. We can keep doing this. You have the road trip out West, which is, you know, always baked into the schedule. You always have your West coast road trip, but then you go even to the second half. Here we are talking about playing those eight games at home that you do. You have another four game road trip out of East Philly, Orlando, Atlanta, Cleveland. That's in the middle part of March. It's very home away, home away. Like, buckle up, and when you're traveling, you're going to be out there for a while. When you're here, you're going to be here for a while. It feels very black and white without any of the, well, no, all right, we'll just go on back and forth, back and forth. A lot yeah. more like that to me this year than in previous seasons. Well, I think there are always there, – there's two factors. One that's always a factor with the Charlotte Hornets and then one that's different, but not just for the Charlotte Hornets, for every team in the NBA. The one that's the same for the Hornets every season is that this is a team – that will manipulate the schedule uh, to get more weekend games. They want more, you know, these lower-end teams that are not killing it at the box office are going to lobby the NBA for, you know, more more weekend opportunities. And that's going to cause issues Mm -hmm. with the rest of your schedule if the NBA decides to help you and, and accommodate you on those things. So that's always been a factor for the Charlotte Hornets. It will continue to be a factor until... They contend for a few years, and that box office reality changes. Okay, 
So that's and that's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing because you're like you're kind of hurting your schedule, which hurts your opportunity to contend. But you know, the you know hopefully talent supersedes that disadvantage. Okay, but I did say they only had ten rest disadvantage disadvantage games according to positive residual. So it's not yeah. as bad this season. The other factor that's different for every team is this midseason tournament. And if you look at the top of the schedule prior to the midseason tournament, they play the Knicks, the Heat. And the Wizards, all three teams in their group play, they play those teams three times before Christmas. So you're getting three of what would normally be four matchups out of the way before Christmas. So there are all kinds of, I think, oddities. We don't even know two regular season games. There are We only know for sure about 80 of these games. Two of them will be played around the beginning of Christmas if they don't make the the you know tournament, if they don't make the mm-hmm. actual tournament through group play, which we don't expect them to. So there are all kinds of oddities. Plus, it's a leap year. I mean, things are crazy. <laughs> it's, but the leap year. I, I like the leap year. Oh. I, like, I like that being in the schedule highlights. Your homestand, your longest road trip. What are you doing on leap day? What, well, they're what is playing. Going... They're playing the Milwaukee Bucks on leap day. And, and let me tell you something. If you don't think Eric Collins is going, because leap day is an extra That's day in February. You know, people who have birthdays on leap days, you know, we joke that they're like 12 years old because they had to skip their actual day for, for, yeah, right, right. So I'm sure Eric Collins is going to have some fantastic, weird stat for you about these games that only exist on the calendar once every four years. Final thing for me, um, it does also feel like it's an easier start than usual. For You know, this is how it is, right? With with the Charlotte Hornets, they always have a brutal start. It's always real tough, and the record indicates that. I remember one year, man, it probably was like, I, I forget what season it was, but it would have been 2015, maybe even 16. You know, it was a while back when... They were third in the conference after 10 games, something crazy. It was a good start, and that's the last good start that I can remember. This is, look, Atlanta at home, Detroit at home, Brooklyn at home, Houston on the road, Indiana on the road, Dallas on the road, home and home against Washington, and then you're starting to get into a tough stretch with on the road against New York, Miami, Milwaukee. But, Doug, we're talking about, I mean – what you're getting almost to 10 games. And then once you get to the 10th game, that's when miles bridges will be eligible. And I believe Milwaukee, November 17th on a Friday, that is when miles bridges will be eligible to play. Probably the last thing to note specifically for this team, because of the suspension miles bridges will have to serve. Uh, yeah. And I believe, is that not uh, one of the group play games that Milwaukee game? Uh, it is indeed. Cause we had talked it is about, indeed. yeah, we talked about, we didn't know when miles would return for, the group play. So in the midst of group play, they have to figure out what all of that means. Does Miles immediately mm-hmm. start? Does he come off the bench? Uh, that will <laughs> that's not a, yeah. probably not a wrench that uh, a coach would enjoy having to deal with for this group play. Um, but you get extra talent back. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's uh, kind of a push pull thing there. Uh, the other interesting thing that I saw is that, you know, they by my count now, you know, I've been sick and I went over this. I don't know if I was totally um, coherent <laughs> when I did so, but I couldn't find any of those weird home, not home and home, but home home matchups where you play the same team at home twice in a row. They had mm-hmm. employed some of those to cut down on travel. Right. Uh, I didn't see any of those. The, the Hornets have, I think, five home and homes where they, where yeah. they will play a team at home and then go to their arena. 
but I couldn't find any of those weird things. They seem to have eliminated those from the schedule. I don't know if that if it's just a Hornets thing or if they've done that for all the teams. No, you're right. It did happen. I would think you know, it happened quite a bit last year. I don't see it either. You do have a couple of those home and homes that you mentioned, though. I like sick Doug schedule takes, by the way. It's like, <laughs> man, they're playing in the Coliseum. Oh, OK, all right. Oh, oh. That's going to be interesting. Uh, what's going on? Oh, the Bobcats. Uh, are we back? OK, I like sick Doug takes on all sorts of NyQuil and medication. My, wanna, both my, my takes are in-depth, uh, and so is my voice, but I can't guarantee coherency. I can't guarantee okay. that they make any sense. That's okay. All right, well, let's see if you make sense on the other side of the break. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll give you some final schedule takes, and I am going to get to the list today. So I have a new section to dive into. I'll give you a couple of players in the second segment, as well as a couple of players in the third segment, but not before FanDuel, because this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every single time. Than they uh, that they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets too on everything from spreads to player props, over unders, even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com/lockedon and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com/lockedon. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. Is locked on Hornets. Adam Silver had Ahmad Rashad up on stage, and he used his phone to like body scan Ahmad Rashad, and then they like inserted a, a like a digital version of Ahmad Rashad into the highlight. And wow. so I'm looking at this and going, "Just fix my league pass. I don't want to be in a highlight. I would just like to actually watch the highlight without my application logging me out, freezing, dropping all of the time. Fix my league pass before you insert me in the game, please, and thank you." It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, we'll do more on the schedule next week. We need to prolong this content. And the NBA schedule is the savior of content when we're at this portion of the season. We still have silly season stuff. We still need to do who wore it best stuff. We still have the list to get to. Doug is going to give you his nickname list next week. He's been doing all these shows, despite what Dr. Horst said. I'm going to make you wait for That's right. it. It's, it's the list of integrity. Mine is not. So we're just going <laughs> to. The nickname list has become more important than the top 35 Hornets list because of all the research and because it is a list of integrity. And mine is just uh, we're talking it out. We're vibing. Well, people we're care about it. it. I mean, I've already gotten comments like threatening me if I don't include Mason Plumley, Plum Dog Millionaire. Oh, no. And I'm just going to I'm going to stand here and say this. You I will not be intimidated. OK, mm -hmm. I will not be influenced. My list is my list. It is essentially it is the constitution of this show. It is what will guide us uh, to freedom. So that that's just that's that you won't intimidate mm. me youtube chat i will it may be mason plumley's in there maybe plum dog millionaire makes it but you'll just have to wait and see and continue watching our show uh, if it was the declaration of independence i would ask if there was a map to a playoff series win on the back of it that's what i was going to ask but if there's not then that's fine we can move on let's go to the newest section 24 through 21 on the top 35 charlotte hornets of all time list are you ready for it doug yeah, I've got uh, I've got the fanfare ready. Okay. All right. So this section is called Haphazard Hornets. Haphazard Hornets is this section. 
This one was okay. really tough. I, I'll tell you this. I You could argue any one of these guys in any one of these slots. It's also because of that very reason as to why I spent a lot more time, more time than I should have on these four slots. And mm -hmm. so I feel good about where I ended up, but it took me a long time to get here. So with that said, the 24th best Hornet of all time, Doug Branson, Hersey Hawkins. Wow. Hersey, great shooter, great shooter in a time when there weren't a ton of great shooters. Athletic too. Hersey Hawkins. Love, so, love some Hersey. I, I this again, haphazard Hornets. These are the four that it was really tough to put all throughout the list. Hersey played two years with this team, mm -hmm. started 82 games both seasons. So 164 starts in two seasons combined. Just a straight up Iron Man. Really good. A really good basketball player in that role where he, he only made one all-star team in his career. He actually made it with Philadelphia before he came over to the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, hold on. Don't say only. Don't say only. I mean, there, there are, I you know, the well, countless numbers of players that don't make any all-star game. To make what you are, you are discounting one all-star appearance? I mean, that's, uh, that's great. <sighs> I was going to say... <laughs> Aren't you sick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of you. I'm sick of you downplaying the achievements I, of professional basketball players who make all-star games. What are we going to say? Was, oh, oh, LaMelo's only made one all-star game. Look, my voice can get even deeper. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that Hersey Hawkins is a really good player that, hold on, Doug, only made one all-star game but felt like he was good enough to be on the fringe of a lot of other all-star appearances and possibly even make, that's what I was going to well, say. Why didn't you just say that? To... Why didn't you just, why didn't you just say that? Mm, this is tough. Okay. Anyways. Uh, so he made it in 1990, 1991 with Philadelphia. So two seasons averaged over 14 points per game for both of those teams. Great free throw shooter actually did not shoot very well from the three point line his first year here with Charlotte, but the second year, I mean, bonkers 44% from three, uh, decent volume, I guess, for that time. And if you look at those two years that he played, they were 500 his first season, but then played on one of just a few 50-win seasons that this team has ever had. In fact, I caught a hardwood classic, Doug, on NBA TV where they showed Shaquille O'Neal scoring 46 in an overtime game against the Hornets that 50-win season, Alonzo's last year. Of course, Orlando would move on to the NBA Finals at the end of that year. But very good, same thing, really short time, played on one of the 50-win teams, but still, like, not Dell, not Alonzo, not Larry. Right. So further down the list, but still a very good player. What are your thoughts? Well, he was on my honorable mentions uh, for his nickname, Hawk. Uh, I think there were a few people in professional sports that uh, dominated that nickname a little bit more than Hersey Hawkins, but I love mm -hmm. a good Hawk nickname. Andre Hawkins. Dawson? Andre Dawson, yeah, is the name mm -hmm. that popped up the most. So, you know, he gets in my honorable mentions, uh, but Hersey Hawkins, great player. Love Hersey. Um, also led the team in win shares his first season. How about wow. that? So oh, um, pretty that? crazy there. All right, uh, 23, 23, Rex Chapman Whoa. comes in just in front, just in front. Now, of wait a Hawkins. minute. Now, wait a minute. Okay. Where was okay. Rex Chapman? We need to get him on the show. Where was Rex Chapman? He's on everybody else's show. Where was Rex Chapman in your previous list? So Rex Chapman on my previous list, 
And I thought I was going to move him way far down. He was actually 17th on oh, the wow. previous list. That was probably too high. I think 23rd. Yeah, I think settling I him in. I think, I think that was a good correction. Rex Chapman, the first ever draft pick for the Charlotte Hornets, the first ever rookie draft pick. And, and 23 is a good number because I think he thought he was going to be Michael Jordan and he, and he, and he, yeah. and he wasn't. And there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of uh, issue there with what he thought he was and what the sure. organization thought he was. And, and it resulted in, in him ultimately moving on from the team. Sure. So here's the thing for Rex Chapman, right? I, I put him in front of Hersey Hawkins, even though Hersey probably was a, you know, more winning conducive player. If we want to stick with that theme, than Rex Rex. I think that actually holds value being the first ever draft pick being in a dunk contest a couple of times. People mm -hmm. think oh, of wow. Rex Chapman, I think as a Charlotte Hornet and maybe a son too, a little bit, but you know, Charlotte Hornets for sure. You remember him doing the behind the back alley in the dunk contest. It was cool to see that also scored a lot bad team though. So a lot of points, but not a team that was anywhere close to the playoffs at the beginning of the Charlotte Hornets tenure, 17 points is rookie year, 17 and a half second season, 16 is third season only played 22 games in 1991, traded for Tom Hammonds. Mm. Hammonds didn't the do ha the anything. <laughs> so when you lose a all rookie team member, that was also your first ever draft pick. For a Tom Hammonds, who does nothing. I think actually maybe only appeared in 12 games. I could look it up. But like there was some real some sunk good nicknames, there. though. He had some good nicknames. Uh, he didn't make the <laughs> list. This was didn't even make my honorable mentions just because uh, he I don't think he had the contributions that I could justify him being on the list above other folks. Mm -hmm. But his nicknames were so Tom Hammonds, his nicknames were not the hammer, it was Hambone and the Terminator. No, those Which, are why Hambone wouldn't you go the Tominator? Great. You know, the Tominator. I don't know. Yeah, Hambone is great. So Hammonds appeared in 19 total games for Charlotte <laughs> and averaged 2.3 points per game in that time. I mean, so just that trade alone, it's tough. And then Rex would bounce around with other teams. But first overall draft pick, dunk contest, scored a lot of points, was a reason that you might go to the arena to go see that guy in the early stages when everybody was excited about Hornets basketball. Yeah. but was there before they had any kind of team success. I thought this was the right spot for Rex Chapman. He comes in at 23rd. Well, and what's interesting, too, is that the Hornets opted in the franchise draft, the expansion draft, to take the worst of the picks among Miami. So they got the second overall pick in that franchise draft. In exchange, they got the better of the rookie draft picks, which ended up being eighth, and Miami selected ninth. So we take Rex Chapman eighth and ninth is Ronnie Cycli, who mm -hmm. I think if you put the careers back to back, Ronnie Cycli was the better player. Mm. Um, so I don't know if anybody out of all the draft history regrets. I don't know if anybody goes to Cycli, but you're but right. what yeah, people have to understand is that it, 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 what people have to understand is that it started this way, right? There are origins <laughs> that go all the way back to the beginning of this franchise, uh, but on the Rex Chapman thing, I don't think that anyone thinks of him as a Charlotte Hornet or a Phoenix, or at least the majority of people think of him as this like Twitter person that posts funny videos. <laughs> like I don't, even, That's I don't even think people think that he's a basketball player. I weirdly, I think about him as a Phoenix son because yeah. he was in this Game Boy game that was like just the All Star Weekend. It was like the mm -hmm. three point shooting contest and the dunk contest. 
And it was like all of those kinds of things on a Game Boy game. And he was selectable uh, as a Phoenix Sun. So that's how I'll always remember him. So as a kid, I did. But then I also had the basketball cards of Rex Chapman in that, you know, it's like the iconic set. Everybody had all the basketball cards. I forget what it was like, not hoops hype. I forget what it was. Anyways. Yeah. So dicey, but he comes in at number 23. Let's move on. Sexy Rexy. Yep. Plus, you know, did you just want to create that nickname and put him in there? I mean, is that I've heard people. I don't know that that was technically I don't think that's on basketball reference. Okay, check my list here. No, the boy wonder was what was on uh, from Mm. uh, probably from Kentucky, you know, because he was a young player that I think people thought, whoa, okay, well, this guy's got something. All right. More guys, a part of the haphazard Hornets list. We'll bring that to you coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Is it hot in here? I'm sweating. I've, I'm just dripping yes, in sweat. Right. Let, let, let's get Doug out of here. We have two more Hornets to get to on the top 35 Hornets list Where of all time. I? It's coming up. Final segment, Locked on Hornets. All right, haphazard Hornets here, Doug. Hersey Hawkins, 24. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a break. I'm sorry. Hersey <laughs> Hawkins, 24. <laughs> that made me laugh. Hawkins, 24. Rex Chapman, 23. Number 22. I've called him possibly the most underrated Hornet of all time. Johnny Newman. Johnny Newman comes in at 22. Multiple 40-point games for the Charlotte Hornets in his tenure here. Played in different roles through three seasons in total with the Hornets and then played 18 games in the 93-94 season. You'll see that with some of these guys on the list get traded midseason. Scored 17 points per game in 90-91 started 81 games 91 92 started 55 appeared in 55 averaged just over 15 points per game then went to a different role in 92 93 that's when the hornets as you know them were starting to form that's when you had zoe that's when you were starting to get lj implemented Mm -hmm. there's mugsy automatically johnny has to take a step back but does so in an efficient way. So here's someone that, no, did not shoot well from the three-point line, didn't put up a whole lot of three-point shots, but was very efficient from two and was efficient overall from the field, got to the foul line as well, had over five free throw attempts per game in each of his first two seasons. So different roles could be the microwave. I, I Johnny Newman, to me, this is why I've often called him possibly the most underrated Hornet. So Part of this, too, is Hornets fans' perception of these players. I'm trying to bake that into the cake when we discuss top 35 Hornets list. But also, I don't want to just completely ignore what Newman meant to a team where he wasn't as popular because then you started to have Zoe and LJ. But he was still important. So 22, that's where I had him on the list. Well, he laid the groundwork. He made the offense that was not functional. He made it functional. And I think that was his role uh, before the the team formed you know the lj zoe mugsy you know this mm-hmm. was a team that yeah, came into the league in 88 and were what what most franchise <clears throat> expansion franchises are they were a disaster on both ends of the floor johnny newman's addition meant that they were at least respectable offensively because he get it was it was really like one of their first I think weapons that were that was brought to the team uh instead of via the draft that was important. The, the other guy that, that I kind of think of when I think of Johnny Newman is David Wingate because David Wingate was the same as Johnny except on the defensive end of the floor. Right, exactly. So these were, I, I like these were two kind of role players that, that came in and made them – because then when you got LJ and when you got Zoe, 
Then you became like a powerhouse offense and an offense that was a little ahead of its time in terms of getting up and down the floor, playing with pace. And Wingate was able to come in and give them a little bit more of a defensive presence, a little bit more physicality uh, on the wing position. And so I'll always think of those two guys kind of in concert. But Johnny Newman, yeah, good, really good offensive player. Just straight bucket getter, man. So Newman played 23 minutes per game in the best season that he played with the Hornets after playing 30 each of his first two seasons, but shot 52% from the field and averaged 12 points per game on 23 minutes. Just come in and get a bucket, Johnny. And that's exactly who he would do. Fun player. Yeah, fun player when you would go back and look at what he was able to do. All right, last one in the haphazard Hornets list. I'll give you a guess here, Doug. He's a Bobcat. 21. You want to go with it? Uh, Boris DL. No, not on the list, Boris DL. Sorry. <laughs> 21 on the haphazard Hornets. Steven Jackson. Captain oh, Jack. wow. Too low. You think I'm, so? I didn't, I didn't want to guess Steven Jackson because I just did, couldn't believe that you would have him this low. Unbelievable. I mean... I mean, look, you you could you could put them at 24, to be honest, but I I didn't think you could after look. I, that's what I thought. I thought maybe you could even put them a little lower, but you're right. Steven Jackson comes in as a guy that helps this Hornets team, this Bobcats team, excuse me, wow. get to its first ever postseason appearance after the Hornets leave. So Gerald Wallace, the best player on that team, but Steven Jackson was the offensive guy. The attitude, the character. That is what allows him to even be bumped up this high, right? It's not only that he was a good player on a postseason team, but it's also the fact that he gave us maybe the best quote of all time. I make love to pressure. Yeah. Rick Bennell mm-hmm. repeated that line oh, yeah. every single season, and it wasn't enough. Loved covering Steven Jackson, at least with the type of personality that he have. If you'd start to dive into the numbers for what Steven did for this team. So comes over from winning franchises, right? San Antonio wins a championship. Indiana, remember that Malice at the Palace team mm-hmm. could have won the championship that year, but everybody got suspended because you can't fight with the fans in, in, uh, in an NBA Time arena. To find out. Yeah, cannot, yeah, we actually found that out. Cannot war with the fans. That's true. So started 72 games first season, 67 games second season, 21 points average, 18 and a half points average in the second year. We know how that team, you know, got blown up eventually. Gerald Wallace would be traded not too long. So Steven Jackson is the only guy. And the second year, they don't even they don't get to the postseason. But a real leader. People love him. This is one where I think the fan base's opinion of him carry a lot of weight. And he legitimately helped a Bobcats team that is viewed as maybe the worst run franchise in the history of American sports. Like you're in that conversation. So the fact that he was able to be a big time player on a postseason team, that's why I have him as high as 21 here, Doug. And we can go back. So Hersey Hawkins, Rex Chapman, Johnny Newman, Steven Jackson. Do you like that list as it is, except for maybe you still think Steven is too low? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not totally upset with the list, and I, I got to hear the rest of your list. But I just my, right. my gut tells me that Stephen Jackson uh, made made a franchise that was completely irrelevant, helped make it relevant, not on his own, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Gerald Wallace was still the engine of the team, but I thought you know Stack Jack was something that the Hornets, not the Bobcats, the Hornets of the 2016 playoff variety, led by Kimball Walker is what they needed. They needed like a personality. They needed a vocal leader because that wasn't Kimba. Kimba led mm-hmm. by example. And and you don't want guys 
who can't lead vocally trying to lead vocally. It's not going to come across as genuine and people aren't going to accept it. But that's what made, I think, the Wallace-Steven Jackson combo work is that you had Wallace out there, you know, not not you know, leading by example, not necessarily a vocal leader. And then you had Stack Jack, you know, the personality. And I think it was something that was missing from some of those uh, early second Hornets era teams. So I love Stack Jack. I'll tell you what. He's going to be higher on my list. I'll just I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. Stack Jack is so good. I mean, it's so good. All right, that's the list. I'll say it one more time. Haphazard Hornets, Hersey Hawkins, 24. Rex Chapman, number 23. Oh, we're in sicko season mode right now. Johnny Newman, 22. And Stack Jack, Steven Jackson rounds it out at 21. Top 20 list. Next and time I've we do been this. suppressing a cough for 20 minutes. All right, let's get this man out of here. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your I'm first fine. listen. Uh, make game to game your second listen anywhere you get your podcast. Only the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered every single game during the season across the landscape of the association. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Doug, get better, buddy. We're pulling for you. We'll be back with you next week sometime. Maybe. 